It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by Chris Dell, the Mad Journalist. You guys can find him on Twitter at Mad Journalist. And you can find us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, Chris, here we go. It is the NFL Championship weekend here. Winner of these two games will end up in the Super Bowl. I certainly hope it is my Green Bay Packers. Uh, right now, we have uh, lines on these games. Looks like Green Bay's minus three and a half. And I'm not sure if Kansas City went to three and a half, but Mahomes did move the line a little bit today. But I was actually quite surprised, Chris. You know, this line was been like three, like all week. And then the news finally came out uh, that Mahomes was going to play. And it moved only about like 15 or 20 cents. It's, I don't even think it went to three and a half, which is kind of surprising because I think a lot of the sharp guys thought that line might actually go to five, but you know, we'll wait it out and see I, one of the things with these, with these big type of games, this is a very liquid market. Um, the numbers will, the numbers will probably move here eventually because there's going to be a lot of money that comes in uh, on these two particular games, a lot of public money uh, on these two particular games. But I do want to talk about, why don't we do the green Bay game first here? So right now we'll call green Bay minus three and a half total of 52 you want to go ahead and uh, set a lineup this week Chris or do you just want to talk to games what do you want to do this week yeah I think we should just do the same thing we've been doing the last couple weeks is we'll talk through what props we like and then you can kind of put together your lineup and then uh, maybe I'll give one out at the the end of the podcast as well so that sounds good to me all right cool Uh, my recommendation for this game would be don't lay three and a half with Green Bay Um, you know it's it's just it's it's not the right bet to make you know, you don't like three and a half um, unless you really, really like Green Bay. Uh, I think Green Bay probably should win this game. Uh, one of my key reasons is because I think the Green Bay defense is actually really, really underrated. It's something that I haven't really spoke about, you know, throughout this entire season. But just go back and, and look at their stats. Look at their, you know, points per game, you know, what they give up in passing and rushing. Uh, Green Bay's defense to me, very underrated. And I think with Antonio Brown out, I think that opens up the door, Chris, for you and I you know, to attack a bunch of props, probably go ahead and plug in, you know, some other guys in our DFS lineups. But I think that Buccaneers might actually struggle a little bit throwing the ball. And I think a lot of people are going to be like, okay, uh, it's Tom Brady. He's going to need to go ahead and throw the ball. And they looked half decent last week throwing the ball. But I do have some concerns here uh, for the Bucks overall. But still, you know, laying three and a half to me, uh, just it's just something that I don't want to do. Uh, why don't you go ahead and talk about props? Usually when you talk to props, Chris, uh, I kind of just feel you out a little bit and figure out, you know, where your confidence is at. And then I'll just start plugging the guys in. So Tampa, Green Bay, who are we looking at right now? I am looking at the running backs to take advantage of props in this game, Sleepy. And it comes down to the fact that the Bucks and the Packers are near the bottom of the league in terms of allowing both receiving yards and receptions to opposing running backs here. We know that you can also run on the Packers defense, whereas you really can't run or, you know, pretty much all season, all season, we haven't had much success running against the Buccaneers. Although last week, Alvin Kamara put up a decent line of 18 carries for 85 yards. So I think that you can attack this these defenses with the running backs and specifically the props that are out there right now. The pack, the the Green Bay Buck. Uh, let me let me reset. Let me rephrase that. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I think, can have a lot of success running against this Green Bay Packers defense. And when you look at the lines for Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette, you're seeing 35 and a half yards for Rojo, 42 and a half for Leonard Fournette. Both are juiced to the over, minus 124 
for Rojo on DraftKings Sportsbook, minus 129 in the over for Leonard Fournette. I don't think there's any way you can get both of these wrong. And I would be willing to bet both of these over, especially when we saw Rojo start to get worked in a little more last week in the Buccaneers win against the New Orleans Saints, which are a tougher run defense than the Packers present here in the conference championship round. So Ronald Jones, he's, he, he doesn't look like he's anywhere near 100%, but with an extra week to heal and get better, this is a defense you want to attack on the ground. And I believe that the Buccaneers are going to try to play it safe in terms of, hey, we want to keep the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands as much as possible. And they don't want to trap themselves in a hole and be playing from, from behind too early on in this game. So I just think that you look at the fact that the last Packers game against the Los Angeles Rams, the Rams were trailing by multiple scores in that game. And we still saw Cam Akers 18 carries for 90 yards. So you combine the lines right now for Rojo and Fournette, you're looking at what, 78 yards altogether. I think that just one of these guys can get at least 75 yards on the ground, even in a losing effort, even if the Packers want wind up winning and covering the spread here. So I just think those two numbers are way too low. And then you look at even Aaron Jones, you can get over 62 and a half rushing yards at plus 100 on DraftKings right now. And here's the thing is that we, we think of this Buccaneers run defense as being something we really want to shy away from. And for the most part, week to week in fantasy, you know, we have bet unders in terms of props. We have faded running backs in DFS and season long fantasy against this Bucks defense. But we saw just in week 14, a running back who gets volume an explosive running back. Dalvin Cook had 22 carries for 102 yards against this Buccaneers defense. Again, we saw last week in the divisional round, Kamara. 85 yards on the ground on 18 carries. Even in week 17 in a must-win game against the Atlanta Falcons, Brian Hill ripped off a 62-yard run, wound up with nine carries for 94 yards. So when you're looking at an explosive running back like Aaron Jones, he's had 69-plus rushing yards in six of his last seven games. He's had 90-plus rushing yards in five of his last seven. So I think that Aaron Jones, with the explosiveness that he has, in addition to the fact that with the Buccaneers trying to put a little more effort on stopping the pass, that might open up some things in the run game here. And I think that Aaron Jones, he could break loose for one long run and get this total. So I wouldn't hesitate to play all these running backs over on their rushing. And even Jamal Williams, man, his rushing prop is at 20 and a half minus 118 right now. Jamal Williams has had 21 rushing yards or more in 11 of his 15 games this year. He's cleared that total in five of his last six. He had 12 carries last week to Aaron Jones's 14. While I think that should be closer to probably a 20 carry to six carry split, the fact is is that, is that both of these guys are going to be involved. Jamal Williams was cleared uh, uh, for his availability on Sunday. He's now logged three straight limited practices in a row now. So, man, I, I just think all these rushing prop lines are too low, and as well as the receiving too. I, I think there's a lot of value to attack, to attack the overs for both rushing and receiving with the running backs on both these teams right now. You know, for me, when it when it comes down to Antonio Brown being out of the game, I have to ask myself, you know, what are they going to do to, you know, at least try to, you know, go ahead and throw the ball. And I think one of the things that I was thinking about and I was laying down, I was just sitting there thinking, I'm like, generally, you know, you see surprises in these games, you know, from, from the offensive team. And it's like, you know, what could they do differently that we that we really haven't seen a lot of this year? And I think one of the things that Tampa Bay – might actually try to do. Let's remember Antonio Brown won't be on the field who, you know, he commands a lot of targets, but I think we go back to, you know, Tom Brady in his days when he played with new England, when he had two tight ends on the field, one, you know, if you're running, that's going to help, especially with blocking, you know, loading the lineup, 
But if you have both tight ends on the field, no, I think that that creates, you know, matchup problems for Green Bay. So don't be shocked if you see a lot of Gronk and Bray out on the field quite a bit. That might be something that they've held on to that, you know, they haven't really displayed a whole lot this season because they don't want teams to game plan, you know, for everything they're trying to do. Now, if you go back and you look at Bray, you know, I would just say probably, you know, over like the last, I don't know, maybe seven or eight games, um, he has a lot of catches, you know, four, four here, four there, five here, uh, three here. Uh, Gronk, he slowed down a little bit, but I think with Brown out, maybe they take that approach. And I think one one thing's for certain. You can play Bray over two and a half catches. You could play Gronk over two and a half catches. Now, both are juiced to the over. I think that that's one thing, you know, when you're looking at the line saying, all right, we're going to probably end up with some tight end play here. And look, the, the Green Bay corners, um, they're not going to be easy to go in and pass against. I don't think Godwin or or Evans are going to have like these monster breakout games. I think it's going to be the tight ends. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play Bray over two and a half catches. That's like minus 135. Now I'm going to play Gronk over. I think at worst I get a split, but I think, you know, if they're hiding stuff and with Brown out, that there's a good chance I get both of those guys to go over and they might actually be the key, you know, to why, you know, Tampa Bay is able to go up and down the field, score points and eventually win this game. I think if they win this game, I think it's going to have a lot to do um, with the tight end. So I'll go ahead. I'll give out that. I'm not sure if you want to put anybody in our lineup uh, within Tampa and then we can talk. I'll talk a little bit about Green Bay, you know, being my team. But is there anybody that you that you're going to, you know, just say, let's let's just put him in from Tampa? I I think that in terms of DFS, the guys I want to get into my lineup this weekend I want to get as much of the elite guys into my lineup. I want to have lineups with Adams, Hill, Diggs, and Kelsey, at least three of those guys in every single lineup. And you can do that by paying down at running back, by paying down at quarterback, by paying down at defense, or even starting two tight ends. You could start a tight end, the flex, for example, because you want to get Travis Kelsey in there. So when we look at the prices on these guys, I mean, Ronald Jones had 13 carries last week, and he even had a target. I mean, just one target, but the fact that they at least tried to throw him the ball and the fact that he again can be a week healthier. We've seen him in this offense have big blow up games throughout the course of the 2020 season. So uh, as much as Fournette has looked good, Ronald Jones, we know is the more explosive running back here. So him all the way down at 4,600, you can save 700 off Fournette. First of all, I think Ronald Jones will catch way less ownership than Fournette does on this short two game slate. So if you want to be a little contrarian, if you're playing in a tournament as opposed to a cash game, you know, as opposed to head-to-heads, 50-50s, double-ups, et cetera, you know, we're going to be entering this into most likely a single-entry type of tournament. We want to be as unique as possible. I think that you can still get a lot of upside with Ronald Jones, and you can get more upside in terms that you're going to have less own, you're going to have him at less ownership as opposed to Fournette compared to the rest of the field. So I would prefer him for a tournament, Ronald Jones. I think Fournette is a safer play, but Ronald Jones definitely against his Green Bay Packers run defenses, which is where you want to attack them. I mean, look, again, last week, these two guys combined for 30 carries. Ronald Jones had 62 yards on 13 carries. Fournette, 63 yards on 17 carries. The Saints run defense is miles miles uh, uh, better and ahead of where the Packers run defense is. So I don't think the Bucs are going to have any issue running the ball. And – I don't see them abandoning the run unless they're getting down by more than two score, more than two scores. And with a, with a three, three and a half point spread, I just think the chances of that happening are unlikely. So that's what I think overall on this game 
is that you want to try to get, you know, at least one of these running backs in your lineup here. Maybe, maybe it's Aaron Jones for that matter. But to me, the props on these running backs are, are just way too low. And the, the one other, the, the one last thing I'll bring up here in terms of the prop market is that, like I said, I would call the overs for the rushing on the Tampa guys. Those are plays that I like. I would call the overs for Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams strong leans at the very least. I might wind up making plays on all four of these running backs. And, and I have a strong feeling that at least three of the four are going to hit, if not all four of them. So uh, it's, let, let's, let's just talk about the receiving aspect too. I agree with you hundred percent. Look, if Cameron Brait, four catches for 50 yards on five targets last week. If you swap Cameron Brait's name on the jersey with Rob Gronkowski, and if Rob Gronkowski puts up four catches for 50 yards, his prop line this week will be much higher than 27 and a half. So you're taking advantage of the fact that people just, the books specifically don't respect Cameron Brait as much as they should. So the fact that Rob Gronkowski's prop line is 28 and a half, Cameron Brait's at 27 and a half, that's just wrong. Cameron Brait should be propped way higher than Rob Gronkowski. He's seen more targets. He's seen more production in terms of total catches and yards. I'll definitely go back to playing Cameron Bray over 27 and a half. On the Packers side, I like Marquez Valdez-Scanling over 29 and a half receiving yards. The Bucs are actually vulnerable to explosive plays in the passing game. And with all their focus being on stopping Rodgers to Devontae Adams, let's see how well they can do that in the first place. But that leaves room for ancillary guys like Alan Lazard, Robert Tanyan, Marcus Valdez-Scantling to break free here. So I like Marquez coming off uh, one of his highest target totals of the season in the divisional round here. All we need is one catch for 30 yards. Boom, we hit the over. And the fact that it's juiced up to minus 148, I think that just shows you how much DraftKings specifically is expecting this game to play out in terms of these skill uh, skill position players. So the only other play receiving-wise I would mention is, like I said, with the backs – uh, Green Bay and Tampa Bay allow a ton of receiving production to opposing running backs. You're seeing Leonard Fournette at 22 and a half receiving yards. As of this moment, he's hit over 30 yards receiving in three of his last four games. So I definitely think that's a solid number to attack there because if anything, we're going to see maybe Ronald Jones, if he's healthier, he's going to be used more on early downs as opposed to Leonard Fournette is almost game script proof at this point. If he's splitting early down work with Ronald Jones, if they get behind, you know, big late in the game, they're going to be checking down to Fournette just like they have been in recent weeks too. So I think Fournette, 22 and a half receiving yards, that's definitely going to be one of my top prop plays for this game. And I think the way these two deep, these defenses and offenses, the way they match up, I think there's going to be quite a few props that we can take advantage of in this matchup, as opposed to some of the plays that we've had available to pick from uh, over the, over the first couple of weeks of the playoffs so far. All right. Um, well, I'll put Rojo in. I'll plug him in for sure. I don't have any problem with that. As you had mentioned, you know, there are games where he just explodes and you figure, you know, with a week off, like I'm I'm not going to say a week off, but he didn't get like his full run last week. He should be somewhat fresh for this game. And I think they'll use him um, quite a bit. You know, when I, when I look at Green Bay, you know, I'm trying to think of, you know, ways to fade Devontae Adams, which sounds crazy. Um, He's just, he's a red zone magnet. I think he like leads the league in like touchdowns in the red zone or something like that. But I think when you go into these type of games, the Buccaneers, at least for me, you know, I think their rush defense is good enough that it's going to end up putting, you know, some strain, you know, on other players to make, to make plays. And like I said, you know, these type of games, you know, you need guys to step up and, and that's why they're on the team. And that's why they're, you know, in this game is because, you know, they, they've made things happen all year, but now they really need to make them happen. Um, I don't know, man. Like you can get Devontae Adams minus one eighty to score a touchdown. I just think that that's just way too rich for my blood. 
but I think somebody like Tunyon, uh, a Lazard, a Scantling, um, I would just use I would stay away from the Green Bay running backs just because that Buccaneers defense is strong. You know, if they do get down near the two, three yard line, I could see Rodgers throwing it and I could see a lot of attention being put on Adams. So uh, what I'll do here, I think Tunyon uh, is worth a shot uh, at plus 150 to score a touchdown. I think there's a good chance he gets in the end zone. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go with Lazard. I think he's probably the, the the harder guy to go ahead and match up against. He's just, you know, he's kind of like a, he's like a, he's like a tight end prototype. You know, he reminds me of somebody like a Kellen Winslow, like he's slimmed down, but he's a big dude. Uh, so I'll play Lazard at plus 210. I want the two biggest guys on that Green Bay offense, at least pass catchers, uh, to get in the end zone here. I think there'll be a little bit of a matchup issue. You know, as far as putting anybody from Green Bay, Chris, in the DFS lineup, I don't know what to do. Um, I, 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 I don't even want to tell you that I like a guy because I particularly don't like any of the Green Bay guys because I think Rodgers is going to end up spreading the ball so much in this game. Like I could see Dylan getting some touches. I could see, you know, Williams and, and, and Jones, like all these guys um, just getting a bunch of touches. So I don't know, you know, what guy's going to get a decent amount of touches from Green Bay. So do you have a problem not plugging anybody from Green Bay into the DFS lineup? Because you you know people are going to take Green Bay guys in, in their lineups, and maybe if we you know we go left and everybody else goes right, maybe it helps us get you know the Kelseys and the Hills and and all the other guys in the Bills game. You know, maybe a Diggs or something like that. Maybe we just stack heavier in that game. Yeah, it's possible, man. I, I think you you got to go with how you think these games are going to play out. You have to you have to be convinced or have some conviction on your narrative here in terms of how this game script is going to play out. I just don't see a scenario where Devonte Adams doesn't get his action in the passing game with the amount of targets he's getting, not just the or during the playoffs, but for the course of the season. I think he's got to be locked in the most. Of my lineups, maybe I'll have a couple where I try to be a little unique and fade him, but. I just don't think that Adams is a guy that we want to be fading, especially in DraftKings with a PPR uh, type of format. Um, I think if anything, if you're going to get one Packers guy, you want to get Adams in there. I think you can definitely get a little unique and contrarian in terms of playing some of these Bucks guys. As you said, with no Antonio Brown, we got Scotty Miller at 3,400. We saw Tyler Johnson with that tremendous catch. He's min priced at $3,000 right now. So you're going to see a combination of those guys fill in. And we've actually seen Scotty Miller be the guy who's had some spike weeks throughout the course of the season. I mean, he came in once Brown got hurt. He caught a 29-yard pass, got two targets in less than a half of action. We've seen games early this year where he's had a 48-yard touchdown catch. He's had a 35-yard touchdown catch. So we've seen him do damage. There was a week, a week back in week seven against the Raiders, Scotty Miller had six catches for 109 yards and a touchdown on nine total targets. We've seen target totals of six, five, seven, uh, of him already this season. So he's the guy that's gotten volume in the past. And, and, and you know this better than almost anyone, Sleepy, what the Packers' strength in terms of their passing game is with their top two DBs, which I hear Alexander and with Kevin King. So if those guys are going to be more focused on taking away Chris Godwin and Mike Evans on the outside, I think Godwin will run some routes out of the slot. But I, I think if you really want to get a high upside, low price guy in your lineup from Tampa side, I would definitely lean towards Scotty Miller. Uh, and maybe switch it up if you're creating a handful of lineups, get Scotty Miller in one, get Tyler Johnson in another, kind of mix and match where you want to go with those guys. So that's where I'm looking overall. Um, but I, I would be really hesitant in terms of just fading the Packers entirely. I would try to get at least Adams in there, if not one other piece to go with them. And then I agree with you, still focused on having more of the lineup consists of the Chiefs-Bills game than this game. 
All right, so here's what I'll do. Um, I'll put Adams in. You win on that, but I'm going to have to overrule you on uh, on Scotty Miller. I would rather put Bray in our flexor in our tight end spot. I mean, he's min-priced, too. He's 3000 and I think there's a good chance that Bray catches like five or six balls in this one, and he, he or Gronk is going to end up being the X factor. So um, as of now, to save some money, uh, I'll just throw Bray in the lineup and then we'll see, you know, we'll see where we end up. But if we if we're gonna get Devontae in there, uh, we're gonna have to go ahead and start saving some money if we're still looking at guys like uh, Hill, Kelsey, and and Diggs. Let's jump over to that game. Let's talk Bills and Chiefs now. We got the Chiefs. They're minus three. Uh, they're trending more towards three and a half. There's a lot of juice. A lot of minus one twenties, one twenty fives. High total in this one fifty four, fifty four and a half for a total. Um, I like this game, Chris. I think this game probably stays under. I would only lay three with the Chiefs. I won't lay three and a half, and I think that's where this line I, – I could find myself probably not betting on any of these teams this weekend, um, and I just think it's it's too risky to bet you know, road teams here, even if they're getting three and a half in these uh, particular environments aren't going to be easy for these road teams. So um, slightly into the under, I won't take – I don't even think I'll take, maybe I'll take the Bills at three and a half. I don't know, but I'm certainly not going to lay three and a half with the Chiefs. Uh, why don't we talk about this one? What kind of player props you're looking at right now? And if you convince me, uh, I'll start firing these guys. Why don't you go ahead and talk, talk Hill and Kelsey. Talk yeah. me into them and I can get them in the lineup first. Why don't we do that first? Yeah, well, you know, obviously the, both of these games we're talking about here for the conference championship round are rematches of week six. So both of the, both of these teams from each game played played against each other in week six. And we kind of have to throw, I mean, both games out the window in terms of a, a one week sa- sample in terms of what happened the last time these two teams, you know, these teams played. And we saw we saw the weather, you know, really get kind of under the skin of the Bills offense. In addition to the Chiefs just really running the hell out of the ball. Uh, the Bills were playing a lot of cover two in that game. They were playing a lot of drop back zone coverage. They were saying, hey, we're not going to let you throw on us. And Andy Reid and the Chiefs were like, okay, we're just going to run Clyde edwards helaire 20 plus times and he's going to have the best game of his rookie season. So that that's essentially what happened. I don't expect it to go down that way this time. I think more or less because of the fact that Clyde edwards helaire first of all, we don't know if he's going to play yet. You're not seeing any lines on Daryl Williams, Le'Veon Bell, Clyde edwards helaire because – there is no official status on how the rookie is going to come back or not for this game. Same goes for the Bills passing attack. We don't know this, the, the status right now. Gabriel Davis, he got banged up in, in last week's game with an ankle injury. He's been limited all week. So, so you know, you're only seeing lines right now for Stephon Diggs, John Brown, uh, Singletary, and Knox. You're not seeing anything for Beasley and Davis. Um, having said all that, where I want to attack is where we can get value. And we've talked about this many times throughout this podcast this season. When you're seeing two guys who are essentially seeing close to equal target shares in this offense, Tyreek Hill has seen almost as much volume in terms of targets in this offense as Travis Kelsey has since probably about the midpoint or even earlier this season. And the fact that we're seeing Travis Kelsey's receiving yards at 94 and a half, Tyreek Hill is at 77 and a half. I just don't see any scenario where there should be a 17 yard gap between these two players here. And we saw a game where, what, Patrick Mahomes played a little bit more than one half of action last week against the Browns. And Tyree Kill had eight catches for 110 yards. Kelsey had eight catches for 109 yards. Almost identical uh, production. Tyree Kill with 10 targets did more on 10 targets than Kelsey who had 11 targets. So I don't understand why. I know that you can look back at the last time these two teams played and you can say, oh, you know, 
Tyreek Hill in a very limited sample has had some down games against this Bills defense. I don't think you can take, I don't think that sample is big enough from this season or even last season to say all of a sudden he's going to have another down game here. So Tredavious White for the Bills secondary, he's the type of big bodied type of cornerback who really can get physical with opposing pass catchers. I don't see him having the speed to keep up with a guy like Kelsey on the outside. And we've seen Tredavious White being used to shadow opposing tight ends as opposed to opposing wide receivers so far this year. So I don't think we can automatically say that White's going to be just shadowing Kelsey or just shadowing Hill. Maybe it's a little bit of both, but I want to take advantage of the value on Tyreek Hill over 77 and a half. And with the limited amount of props right now in this game, due to the running back injuries with KC, due to the wide receiver injuries with Buffalo, that's the prop that I've liked most since earlier in the week. And even now to this point, I really like Tyreek Hill over 77 and a half receiving yards. The only guy I would really look to attack with Buffalo that's available right now is a guy like Dawson Knox, because you're talking about the injury to Gabriel Davis. We're talking about the fact that Devin Singletary is the only real relevant running back in this backfield right now. Tight ends have been able to attack this Chiefs defense. And when you're looking at the scheme that they run, they like to allow those short intermediate targets over the middle of the field. So a guy like Dawson Knox, you know, he's not the most standout tight end name you're going to see in terms of your DFS options for this week. But he's a guy who has shown to have upside in the past. He's been banged up for a lot of this season. But when you're seeing plus money for over two and a half catches for Dawson Knox at plus 110, you know, I think that is an area that you can attack. And his receiving yards prop as well, I think last time I was looking at it, it was around 20, yeah, 23 and a half minus 112 on DraftKings right now. So that's where I would look to attack now. But I really just want to wait and see what the what the final status of Gabriel Davis and Cole Beasley is going to be. I mean, look, Stephon Diggs, you know, he's he's elite usage, elite volume type of receiver, just like Devontae Adams in the last game. I think his prop lines are, are set accordingly at 94 and a half receiving yards and seven and a half receptions. So those are areas you could target. Obviously, to me, he's going to be locked into my DFS lineup. But uh, other than that, I don't know. I, I just 94 and a half yards is a really rich number for my blood. And I just don't know if I want to go up high for a guy like that. So that, that's kind of my overall thoughts on this game right now. Let's kind of see what these injuries wind up shaking out to be. And, you know, Dawson Knox, again, you know, the last two playoff games, he's had limited action against the Colts, who are very tough against tight ends, by the way. And then against the Ravens, how much of a sample can we really use that to kind of predicate what we expect to happen in this game? Because a 17-3 to game with all the circumstances in that game with the weather, I don't know, man. All I can say is that in the last five weeks to close the season – Dawson Knox didn't have a game with less than 27 receiving yards. So he had at least 27 in five straight games. And now we're seeing 23 and a half with the right matchup with injuries that, that could increase his volume and usage. So as thin of a play as it might be with his name value and what he's done this year, that's where I'm looking to, a pro, uh, to attack right now with props on the Bills side. All right. Well, you know what I'll do is I'll switch him out, him and Bray, Um, because as I had mentioned, you know, it could be Gronk for the Buccaneers and ends up, you know, with a decent amount of production. But I do agree with you. And, you know, one of the guys that you had mentioned that maybe it was like, no, maybe it was like three weeks ago or something like that. Uh, you were like Dawson Knox, throw him in, you know, somewhere, you know, go ahead and use him in your props. And I used him and uh, he helped me cash a lineup. So I have no problem with uh, using him. And as you had mentioned, the injuries and the lack of run game, you know, right now for for the Bills right now. Um, it's just telling you that there might be a chance that there's some high volume in. We got to consider game script as well. So I'll put Dawson Knox in there. He's 2,800 right now um, on DraftKings. You know what I'm going to do, Chris? I'm going to take 
I'm going to take Devin Singletary over his receiving yards. You know, if you go back and you look at the last two games, he's caught three balls and three balls. Now, you could bet his catches over, but you're going to have to pay a bundle for that. It's two and a half minus 180. I don't want to put the 180 out there. I'd rather, you know, lay the 110 uh, with his receiving yards over. And I think, you know, one of the things that, that may happen in this game, let's just say, you know, injuries do become uh, somewhat of a concern. I have a feeling like Kansas City is going to approach this game for a period of time where it's let's bend, let's not break. Um, and if they do bend, I think that's going to give – and if Buffalo comes into this game with the mindset, and I just think it, it's a disastrous game plan uh, for them to just, con- you know, just wanting to throw. But, look, they had success with that last week, so maybe they throw uh, a little bit more. I'm going to play Singletary over – uh, his receiving yards, I think there's a chance, you know, he could break one, one catch. Um, you know, and if I'm getting three a game, you know, he, he pretty much, I mean, I, I just think 19 and a half is just a little bit too low, especially for this type of game. I think the fact that, you know, he didn't get a whole lot of touches last week. I mean, what did he have? Seven rushes um, the entire, like, that's just not enough for that guy. And I understand that, you know, he's not the greatest, but I think you got to throw a wrinkle into the situation. So, uh, I'll go ahead. I'll use him in one of my player props. Uh, we still have to fill the quarterback. We have to fill a running back, and we have to fill a wide receiver. As of right now, Chris, we have fifty three hundred. Um, I, I just went ahead and I filled the defense in. I took Kelsey. I got Hill in there. Uh, right now, defense. I it's either we take the Bucks or we take the Bills. So I'll let you go ahead and decide what you think, Bucks or Bills. I would probably have to lean Bills just because of the fact that Mahomes is coming in with that maybe a little bit of a toe injury. Uh, And if somehow we see him leave or get banged up and put it back into concussion protocol, I hope that doesn't happen just from a pure football fan standpoint. But with the chance of that maybe happening, maybe a a couple percentage points higher than Aaron Rodgers getting hurt, for example, I think maybe just take a flyer on the Bills defense that, you know, if, if they were to somehow face any of Chad Hedy in this game, it would obviously increase their upside there. Um, so, and then the fact you're going to save a little bit of money, if that can help you improve any of the other spots in your lineup, obviously with, with the, with the Buccaneers defense, I mean, we saw how they were able to get after Aaron Rodgers in the first matchup. I think most people aren't expecting that to happen again, but it's not outside of the realm of possibilities that it could happen. So I, I don't think that they're a bad play either. I think that this is a slate where, you know, it's going to be really tough to pay up for the Packers because you have to spend so much more money. It's going to limit your other starting spots in your lineup. But uh, at the end of the day, we might see all four of these defenses wind up getting less than five points. So uh, I, I don't know if defense is as as important as recent weeks. Uh, I don't really know if there's much of an edge here in terms of picking one of these four. So maybe just go for the cheapest option at the end of the day. All right. Well, we could either take the Bills at 28 or we could take the Bucks at 27. Uh, I think, you know, we can't destroy your handicap in the garbage. And look, Mahomes has been turning the ball over even when healthy. And the fact that he's injured right now, I, you know, this this could be one, this could be the lower scoring game, but I agree with you a hundred percent. I don't think that, I don't think there's a chance that one of these defenses probably blow up, but I think that, you know, getting five points maybe across the board from every team uh, is a very high probability because, you know, these teams are probably going to end up putting up anywhere between, you know, 17 to, you know, 28 points each, at least, you know, the, I mean, the, the lines are high. So why are we going to go ahead and, and, you know, I took that chance last week. It didn't work out, but I don't see why the hell you, you pay up for, you no, know, why are you going to pay up for, 
for the Packers. I mean, you're asking Brady to turn the ball over a ton. You're asking Rodgers. You know, you're even asking Josh Allen, who hasn't been. Um, I say we just pay down. We take the bills. Uh, I feel pretty good with that. Um, yeah, I guess what, the, what, the only thing I could say, Sleepy, just to piggyback on that one last time, is like maybe the Chiefs defense has a little bit of upside. They're not too much more expensive. And if we see them scheme things the right way, maybe Josh Allen starts to fold under the, pre- under the pressure a little bit and gets a little, gets a little more back to his turnover-prone ways of the past. I just don't see that happening because of the way Stephon Diggs changes the whole landscape for Josh Allen in this passing offense here. So I think I think you can make an argument that there's a little bit of upside for each of these defenses, for the Bills maybe facing Henny, for the Buccaneers and what they did last game, for the Packers getting out to a lead and forcing Tom Brady into a few picks. But, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's as important. And just overall, uh, lastly, on just the lines for this game, I think you made a great point that the market is so liquid here and so sharp because – you know, you can't have any – we don't have any more games that the books are overlooking when we have week 16, week 17. We have no teams on by. We have a full slate of, you know, 16 games. Maybe there's a game or two that's overlooked, and we can take advantage of some soft lines here. But even with the props, I mean, we have such a limited number of props available to us even as of, as of Friday night when we're recording this here. So there's nothing wrong with, with, with really limiting the amount of action you have because of that. I think that we have more prop opportunity this week, even with just two games than we have had in the first two weeks, because I think just the way these offenses and defenses play, they really line up with each other this week from like a fantasy matchup perspective. And that makes me more confident in some of the props I was talking about. But um, overall, I just think it's, yeah, if you're seeing three and a half, I think the only value is for the underdog in that situation. hundred percent agree with you that you don't want to be taking three and a half as a favorite. If you like the Buccaneers, hopefully you got them at three and a half or four. If you like the bills, hopefully you got them at three and a half or four, as opposed to just three. And, and the same goes with the favorites. I hope you got them at minus three and not minus three and a half. And I think that's really the only way you can kind of look to take it, take advantage for over for overall uh, betting this weekend. All right. Well, we don't have a quarterback as of now. And and the more I think about it, I'm like, do I want my homes? Uh, no one. I don't want to pay up that much, but two um, you ask, ask me personally, I think his toes messed up. I saw the play in which he got hurt, and that wasn't the play that really jacked up his toe. When he when he he scrambled on it, it was I don't know, maybe it was like a third and whatever it was. He scrambled, he ran, and he dove like head first, and his whole body kind of just like did like a, a, a top spin. And his foot that was messed up, his toe that was messed up, uh, it smashed into the bottom of one of the either wide receivers or linemen's cleat. And that's when he got up and he was really hobbled. And I told my buddy and I looked right at him and I'm like, I think he just broke his toe. I'm like, don't be shocked if this is a turf toe injury. Now we haven't heard anything um, as of right now, you know, and I think that that's kind of a little bit mysterious. The fact that they're not talking about the toe, it was all the the concussion, the concussion, but no, a whole lot about that toe. I'd be willing to bet he's going to mess that up this game uh, because it's your big toe. Like that hits so much stuff. Um, I have a feeling that we, we, we have to go ahead and stay away from Mahomes. As far as Rodgers and Brady are concerned, I feel like it's a 50-50. Like, those guys will play 50-50. But, you know, if Josh Allen's is going to go out and throw the ball 50 times and we don't have, you know, we, we have Dawson Knox, but maybe we can get Diggs in there and then we just buy a real real low at a running back position. I think, I think we definitely take Allen as our QB just because we might just get double the production of any other quarterback out there 
And that's kind of the way I'm feeling about that. So if you had to pick Mahomes, Allen, Rodgers, or Brady, which guy would you, uh, which guy would you take? Yeah, and, and I didn't mean to overlook Allen earlier because I'm trying to start from the player prop perspective. And I think the lines are about right for his rush for his rushing and his passing. But I agree with you 100%. If you want to pick the guy with the most upside, you're going to pick a Josh Allen because obviously Zach Moss not being there, he's been their featured goal line back for majority of the season. And Josh Allen's going to be playing in that role from here on out. I mean, Devin Singletary's a guy, he can catch a few passes, he can get a few carries. Maybe he rips off, you know, a 20-yard a, a touchdown catch, but – you need that touchdown from Singletary. I don't think they're going to use him at the goal line if they get down if they get down there close. I think they'd rather use Allen as more of a power rushing attack. So he's he's going to be the guy guy that not only offers you multiple passing touchdown upside, he can actually score multiple rushing touchdowns as well. And for that reason alone, I would definitely go with Josh Allen for the highest upside. Although you can make cases for upside for all these quarterbacks here because the Buccaneers have shown to be a pass funnel defense. Aaron Rodgers could simply try to dice up this secondary you know, each and every quarter in this matchup here, whether they're playing from behind or even playing with the lead. And and then you look at Mahomes. I mean, I I think the value on Mahomes is that with the injury, with the fact he's priced up so high, all of a sudden, if he puts up 300 passing yards and has a similar fantasy day to a Josh Allen, I think his ownership could be almost less than half of what Allen is. And when you're playing in a tournament, you're trying to get as unique a lineup as possible. So I think that's where the value is on Mahomes. If you're playing a couple lineups this week, then you're saying, okay, well, most of the field I'm playing against is going to have Josh Allen as their starter. So what if I try to get a little different and play Mahomes? If Mahomes hits, then all of a sudden you have a big leg up on the rest of your competition in your tournament. So that's the value I see on Mahomes. But from a pure fantasy point, raw projection, upside standpoint, Josh Allen's definitely the guy. All right. So what I'll do is we can take Josh Allen. And then I guess maybe we, we either want to stack him with the running back or wide receiver. And I do have some bad news here. Stefan Diggs is $7,000 on DraftKings. And if we put him in there, uh, we literally don't have anybody. We don't have a spot to go. We just don't have enough money to fill. So I'm not sure if you're against John Brown, but we could put John Brown in and we could also get Fournette in the running back. Uh, position or we can go Singletary maybe in the running back position which I I particularly don't like and then we're stuck with a wide receiver we're still stuck with John Brown so um, it's going to be hard for us to do anything with the current lineup that I have with Josh Allen, Robert Jones, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Dawson Knox, Kelsey, Bills defense. Uh, It seems like we pretty much put ourselves in the corner here Chris where for wide receiver we're either going to have to take John Brown Lazard, Beasley, Hardman, and then it looks like, you know, if we're going to pay up, uh, at least for a healthy running back, we're going to end up having to take four nets. So uh, let me plug these guys in. I'll tell you what I got. I got $100 left over. Right now our lineup looks like it's Allen, Jones, Fournette, Adams, Hill, Brown, Knox, Kelsey, Bills. That's kind of what I got. Okay. Um, I mean, yeah, I think you definitely want to take advantage of stacking Allen with at least two pass catchers in that situation. So if you want to do Brown and Knox, I think that's a way to get a little contrarian because anyone, I think 90% at least of the people who start Allen are going to have him stacked with Diggs. So if you decide to fade, and look, if you fade Diggs and he has eight catches for 100 yards but doesn't score a touchdown, and then John Brown and Dawson Knox also pop off, then you have a great advantage over the rest of the field in that aspect there. So I think that is still a viable tournament play. 
overall. And if you want to bring it back, like you said, with either Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, or both, you want to have at least, I think, two pass catchers coming back on Kansas City's side of things. So that's the game we want to attack. And I think you just want to make sure the guys you're stacking, that they're correlated in some type of way, meaning that if Josh Allen needs to throw a ton and he's throwing a ton to Diggs, but also to Brown and Knox, that means the, the Kansas City Chiefs are also keeping pace offensively on the other side. And you want to get at least Kelsey and Hill, maybe a Nicole Hardman in there, uh, maybe a Sammy Watkins, if it turns out that he's going to play somebody like that in there. So th- that's where I would be. You know, I, I wouldn't be afraid to have, you know, we have nine spots in our lineup all together. I wouldn't be afraid to get at least six guys from the Buffalo Bills, Kansas City Chiefs game and, and just have three positions, uh, three guys from the other game that we talked about earlier in your lineup. But seven to two, that's where it gets a little more lopsided to me. Uh, since we have both point totals over 50, they're not that much far apart at the end of the day. Uh, but that's how I would look in terms of balancing it out in terms of how many guys you have from each game in your lineup. Yeah, right now we only have three three guys. We have Jones, Fournette, and Adams uh, for the Green Bay-Tampa Bay game. I don't think there's anything wrong uh, with this particular lineup. Yeah. And look, if if one of those wide receivers gets hurt like a Godwin and Evans, uh, let's just say Diggs, you know, and we're fading – you know, pretty much all the other running backs on all the other teams, you know, they could be high owned. At least I feel like we have a concentrated type of thing here uh, with our running back position where one way or another, if there are, maybe they get three rushing touchdowns in this game um, because one, you know, Antonio Brown's going to be, I think that throws a little bit of a wrinkle in the, in the, um, you know, in the pass offense. You know, maybe we, we get a lot of production out of both running backs by stacking. I think, I don't think you'll see a lot of that. Uh, maybe we end up with, with the half decent lineup. You know what I want to do, Chris? I do want to throw one more prop play out uh, before we wrap up the podcast. I'll take Kelsey to go ahead and score a touchdown. Um, the, I just don't see how he doesn't get in the end zone here. I think he'll be highly targeted. As I had mentioned, you know, his yardage for this game is rather high, but to score a touchdown, I could get him at minus 125. And if you go back and you look at the Green Bay, you know, lineup right now, Adams is minus 182. Uh, Kill, uh, Hill is like minus 130 Diggs is minus 106 so I feel like I'm getting a good bargain price for a guy who um, could potentially you know out target everybody uh, with, within both slates so uh, I'll go ahead I'll play Kelsey to score a touchdown minus 125 I feel that you know if he gets to his yardage or he gets to his receptions uh, one of those are going to end up being in the end zone so I'll go ahead and uh, I'll do that I don't have anything else uh, Chris, for any of these two games, I think we covered them uh, pretty decent. Uh, do you have anything else you want to wrap up or no? Yeah, well, I think you made a great point. We talked earlier this week that you like the under on the Bills-Chiefs game, and it's gone up to, what, 54 now? And I, I just did a little bit of research myself. If you look at the all the playoff games that these teams have played, so one for the Chiefs, two for the Bills, and then you add that to their Week 6 meeting, that's uh, what we're talking about, four games all together this season – all four of those games have averaged a total of a little over 38 points per game. So I do think that you are getting some value on under even 54 and a half, I think is where it is right now Uh, in a game where Mahomes health is in question, even though he's clear concussion protocol uh, in a game where maybe these teams try to be a little bit sharp out of the gates and try running the ball a little bit more than usual because they can take advantage that way. Uh, I don't hate, I don't hate that play either. Uh, I, I, I agree with you that I think it is, if you are going to take a side in the total there, it wouldn't shy me away from DFS, but I think 54 and a half is a pretty lofty total given all the circumstances in that game. And just overall, I, I just want to give you one, one lineup here where I found a way where you can actually put 
Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Diggs, and Kelsey, all four of them. It's possible. You got to get a little bit thin at some other spots. So here's one of my crazy lineups I'm going to put with all four of those guys in there. I'm going to start Tom Brady. I'm going to start Adams, Hill, Diggs, Kelsey. Then I'm going to play Bill's defense. And I hardly have any money left over that after that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take two of the cheapest running backs on the board. I'm going to take Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon. All of a sudden, one of them vultures a touchdown from Aaron Jones. I have both of those backs in there. Then I have Lee Smith, backup tight end, has two touchdowns on the year at 2,500 in my flex. So yes, folks, there is a way for you to fit all four of those guys in there. I don't think many people will do it, but at least one of my lineups and tournaments will have that combination of all four of those guys jammed in for this weekend. Look, I mean, it sounds crazy, but if you go and you get two touchdowns from, you know, Diggs, Adams, Kelsey, and Hill, which, you know, that's certainly not out of the question. You know, you're going to make up all the points that you might have lost with those guys. And, and look, you know, sometimes, you know, one of the things we talk about, you know, you end up with a lot of vultures out there. And I think ended up, you know, at least you concentrated your, your uh, with Green Bay. You know, if, if Jones doesn't get the touchdowns and they run him in, you know, it's either going to be Rodgers or one of those two guys, which, um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule it out. So uh, that seems like a pretty cool lineup. But that's it, guys. That's it for the podcast. Uh, that'll wrap up pretty much uh i don't know it's almost wrapping up the season here chris we've been grinding uh for all our guys hopefully you guys are following us on brandingpredators.com uh if you're not make sure you guys go over there and do that uh, tons of articles tons of stuff going up like and subscribe and uh, you guys will get all the updates all the alerts from all this stuff that we have coming out uh, we're looking at ufc stuff coming out nascar uh anybody that's looking to write for like nba maybe you have a favorite team or, or there's something that you you feel you know, that you can contribute content wise, uh, feel free to reach out myself, Dan, Chris, uh, we're going to have golf coming up here soon. Uh, we're, we're just, we're tackling stuff. We're trying to get the content out to you guys and, uh, hopefully you guys, you know, enjoy, enjoy what you've gotten so far over this last year. Um, certainly I know Chris and I, you know, we work hard and, and the rest of the crew, uh, but we definitely want to go ahead and, uh, and take a minute to go ahead and say thanks for, you know, following us on Twitter and, and just, you know, creating a, a really good community you know, within pregame.com and Twitter for ourselves. But with that said, that's it for the podcast, guys. I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck this weekend. Enjoy the games.